Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunner. I was in the shower this morning and I, I just, I had prepared all week and I had a message, uh, make room for people and God's not through making room for himself. So we're going to dive into that a little more today. Thank you, Jason. And, um, but before we do that, I, I think this would be a good time to do the announcements because we have to do that stuff and, you know, how many of you know Holy Spirit's more than a vibe? He's a person. Oh, you ruined the vibe announcements. Sometimes Jesus, Jesus might want to blow your mind with his announcements today. Who knows, you know? First of all, Nate Smith, are you in the room yet? Are you making your way? Come on up here, Nate. While he's making his way up. I, I want to talk a little bit. Look, he's just going to jump up here. Nate has been uh, serving as our media coordinator for what, how many long now? About a year or so, or uh, a I don't know, a little much. less than that. Uh, when Adam, our worship creative pastor, and Andrea, they they took a sabbatical, and Nate really stepped in on the whole media side of things, and and really has done a a huge. Um, pioneering kind of work with the live stream for for the dwelling and uh it's because of nate and the team the whole team that's back there there's people back there As a matter of fact nate came from the video room just to be in here and uh and so there's a room back there somebody's back there making it happen for people online we got people um, from California that, that chime in, that tune in to watch the services. And man, when we're sick or we're in the hospital or whatever, you know, especially us with got kids, they're sick all the time. We can tune into service and encounter God right there where we are. And that's so important. And that's what we do. We make room for God. We make room for people. We make room for more. And I'm just so thankful for Nate and how he's made room for people through just faithful service. And the reason I've got him up here is because this will be his last little stint with us as he's moving to Greenville, South Carolina. And so we don't look at this, well, we're sad, right? I mean, we're sad that you're going, but we don't look at it as, oh man, we lost Nate. No, we look, like, we look at it like this, we get to send Nate. And so... Um, it, I'll say this too. I know how life is and seasons. And if God calls you on, we want to bless you and send you from this place. Don't sneak out of here. Let us bless you and love you and send you. And so, um, and so that's what we're doing. Of course, we didn't give Nate much of an option for that. We just, Nate, come up here right now. So let's all just stretch our hands toward Nate. We're going to pray for him. And uh, Lord, we just pray, Lord. We just thank you. As already, as already been said this morning, there is a um, there's an assignment in Greenville for Nate. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we're thankful for the move of God that's happening there, that people are moving from all over the nation to Greenville, South Carolina, because there's something happening. And we're just so privileged to be a part of it by sending Nate up there to be a part of your move and what you're doing. We pray you'd bless him and uh, his future there. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you. We love you. Yeah. Thankful for you. <laughs> All right. After service today, if you've got students, uh, grades 6 through 12, there's a youth parents luncheon. It's going to be in here, right? 
And uh, if you didn't sign up, you just won't eat. Okay. So I'm just kidding. You can have my plate. You can have my plate. Um, but it, but yeah, stay for that. Going to hear, hear a lot about the vision. Leah's got um, a lot to share about this year when it comes to youth ministry. Um, also, I want to I want to announce this. Starting the first Wednesday in February, we're going to have a new Wednesday night schedule. So as it has been in the past, we've had first and third Wednesday nights are youth nights, and second through second and fourth Wednesday nights are prayer nights, and the fifth we just kind of took off. How many are confused by that? Yeah, me too. Are we having prayer tonight? Are we having youth tonight? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're combining and we're doing every Wednesday night here at the warehouse, we're going to have youth uh, and prayer. <laughs> Seven o'clock. And so as the youth are having that back there, we'll have prayer in here. And uh, we're actually also changing the name of our prayer night. Um because the Lord is doing something special in the area of prayer. He's making us a house of prayer. He's turning us into a house of prayer, giving us a vision, giving us a desire to pray and become a people that host him well. And, um, and so what's going to happen is we're going to change the name from prayer night to prayer room. And the Lord has been saying for a while, I'm going to have my prayer room. And so he's got it now. And it's, it's going to start uh, first Wednesday of February is officially prayer room, 7 o'clock right here. Why are we changing the name? What's the big deal with that? Because it's one of many rooms that will come. Yes. And so right now in the works, there's already two other time slots throughout the week where people can come to this room and pray. And eventually, this is my heart. I've got Jesus deserves a place in this city where there's unceasing worship and prayer. I'm just saying it like it's not about us. It's not about we don't have to make prayer entertaining. We don't have to draw a crowd because it's an audience of one. That's what prayer room's about. And so I, I just want to have a place where there's just a sweet aroma always rising to him because he's worthy of it. And I'll tell you this I, this. I didn't plan on talking about all this this morning, but God is Here's how I know it's him. I, I quoted Henry Blackaby last week. Find what God is doing and get in on it. You wouldn't believe the people the Lord has brought into this house that have a heart for prayer room or a history in the prayer rooms. And it's unbelievable. Like almost every week or so, there's something else that's like, Okay, there's another one, you know, and uh, some of you guys sitting right here uh, are, are part of that answer to prayer. But more than an answer to prayer, it's like we're becoming an answer to the heart of God. Like he's just doing it, whether we really ask for it or not. But it's our it's our it's our heart and it's who we're becoming. And if you haven't caught the bug yet, you will like a what? You're, there you go. <laughs> a rabid raccoon. Yeah, that's just the country coming out in me. Sorry. All right. So one more, one more announcement, then we got to move on. Um, men's conference is happening January the 20th and 21st. Not here. It's at a church, a uh, really awesome church in Statesboro, uh, up the road, New Covenant Church. And uh, Dan and Robin and Nate, and I think that's... That's the guys that kind of have heading up uh, just the men's warehouse and co kind of thing they got going on. And so I want to, I want, I'm speaking at this. And so I'll tell you this, as a man, I hate men's conferences 
because normally they just bring a bunch of men together and tell us how sorry we are. And like, we need to get right. We need to, you need to do better and become a better dad and all that stuff. No, this is, this is really refreshing. This is really refreshing. And I love that the flyer is pink. So the women, so the women will make the men sign up. That's what that was. I think maybe. So if you, um, if you're interested in, uh, doing this and I would encourage you to do this, men, uh, Dan, stand up real quick so they can see who they need to contact. He's going to be up here at the end of service. Yeah. A lakefront cabin. Come on, somebody. All right. Who's ready to jump in the word today? Uh, like I said, I was going to talk about um, our second core value. We are uh, entering into our fifth year as a church. Uh, we're having our big birthday celebration on January the 22nd. That's next week. To celebrating the faithfulness of God over five years and what he's done. And I'm, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much. I get overwhelmed up here just looking out over this room right now that is packed, by the way. Um, and just all that he's done in lives and faces that I see, You've, he's transformed you, he's healed your marriages, he's set you free, he's used you to make spaces for people to, for Jesus to do the same thing in their lives as he's done in yours, and it's been such an honor, hasn't it, to be a part of what God's doing in the city, and I know we're not the only place in this city God's moving, but I want to, I don't, I want to be a place where he's welcome and where he's always moving and we're, we're letting him. So, But today, I want to talk a little more about we make room for God. We make room for God. We endeavor to be a people who carry his presence for the sake of the world. We are the dwelling. The dwelling's not necessarily a church, but the church is a dwelling. That's who we are. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that, by the way, all three songs we were singing about this morning lives inside of you as a believer. What Jesus has done in you has made room for God. And you are one with Jesus. You're not this. You're not this. You're this. And it's by his Spirit. And... um. And so last week I talked about 2 Kings chapter 3 where Elisha told these two kings that were fighting, going to fight Moab and their armies were exhausted and they were thirsty and they were in the desert and they asked Elisha, what should we do? Are we going to be defeated? Are we going to be able to do this? Like we, we don't see any hope in this. And Elisha says, dig some ditches and the Lord's going to fill them. And so... You know, we talked about how, man, we're tired and we're thirsty. You know, we survived 2020 and 2021 and 2022, and here we are, and now God's asking us to dig ditches. But the thing is, if we'll dig the ditches, he's promised to fill them. He's promised to fill it. And I, I, don't, I don't want my ditches, I don't want to dig ditches that get filled with other stuff that isn't important. I want, I want my ditches full of God. And I believe today he's hijacked, literally hijacked this time today because he wants to fill some ditches today. And we sang about it, and he's already begun the work, but I just believe there's so much more that he wants to do. And so let's take a look at what the Bible says about being filled with God. Yeah. This being filled with God. 
And we come at this with all kinds of uh, background and maybe even baggage, depending on where we grew up and what church environment and all that stuff that we grew up in. But how many can agree that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? We just need him. Uh, whether you're Baptist like I grew up or uh, Pentecostal like some of you are, obviously are. Um, with all your yelling. <laughs> Doesn't matter what background you came from. We need the Holy Spirit. And I want more of that. You know, when we, when we say more, we want more of you. It's not like, you know, we have, all, we have him, right? So it's not like he gives us little pieces of himself. We have him, but I want him to fill every inch, every, every crevice of who I am. Like I want him to be in complete control. Uh, someone said it this way. It's not about uh, handing, or it's not, it's not about letting Jesus drive the car. It's about taking the keys and handing them to him and getting in the trunk. Like that's, it's about, Lord, I don't want you to fill me and empower me to do my thing. I need to be filled and empowered to do your thing. And that's what this is about. And if you look at the Old Testament, just a really quick biblical snapshot of this feeling of God and his presence and his spirit and kind of just the narrative of what it looked like in the Old Testament and then an expression of it in the New Testament is what we're currently living in. But let's look at the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. It says, the Lord came down in the cloud and he spoke to Moses and then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but this never happened again. And so you have this moment where there's something that God did in Moses' life is transferred onto some other people and they begin to prophesy. And then that's the only occurrence that we have in that period of time. And it's like, it was very rare, right? It was just a moment. And it was almost, if I could just put it this way, it was the first drop. It was like a little trickle of something that would become a waterfall. Now, Joshua, son of Nun, this is Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just, the Lord had, uh, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see this like leadership thing, anointing happening on his life. And then we see 2 Kings 2, 9. It says, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. And then Elijah was taken up in the fiery, the whirlwind, and Elisha picked up his mantle, his cloak that he had on, and literally became uh, an instrument for God uh, double. You know, like, it, it, but, but there was like this, something happened. Yes, it was God that did it, but something was passed from Elijah to Elisha. Yeah. And so that's how we see in the Old Testament. It's like this, um, sometimes there was this um, symbolic, they would just pour oil on the head to anoint. And as it ran down, it was more than just oil running down someone's face. There was there was this thing that God was very present and active in and, and marking someone's life and encountering someone of setting them apart for purpose, marking them with identity. 
And so then we come to Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. The prophet Joel says, then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Remember, he's speaking for God. This, God is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So get the, get, the, get the picture. What was a drip, drop, trickle has now become a waterfall when we get to the New Testament and the New Covenant. So the prophet Joel says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on people. Listen, you've seen it happen. You saw, you saw it come upon Moses. You've seen little, little activity. Yeah, I parted the Red Sea, but like on a person, you've seen it. Um, you saw it hit, uh, 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 what was it, Samson's life. There was an anointing on his life. There was, a, there was an anointing that came on David when he played the harp that made demons flee from Saul. And there, was the, there were these moments when I would come upon people with my spirit. And then, and then Joel says, your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on the servants, men and women alike. In other words, there's no barriers or boundaries to this waterfall that he wants to pour out. And then the New Testament expression, I love this. Jesus became the one that the dove rested on. That we just, y'all that song, I can't deal. I cannot deal with that. So good. We need, I love it because we need some you know, most of the Holy Spirit songs are like, fill me up, fill me up, Jesus. You know, like, and it's like, that's fine. But we need some rich theology around the Holy Spirit. And I love that song because of that. Jesus became the one who carried what was only tasted of. And then here's the beautiful thing. He told the woman at the well one day, the Samaritan lady, she he said, you know, this water, you drink some of this, but you're, you're going to be thirsty in a few hours. But there's a water that I give that you drink of it. You'll never be thirsty again. And she tasted something that had only been talked about. Had been experienced just here and there. And Jesus came not only to be the full expression of what a life looks like filled with the Holy Spirit. But he came to make that life available to you and me. A life in the kingdom by his spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what living in the kingdom looks like. When the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with, get out, you, Lord, we've, we've read this so much, it doesn't even mean anything anymore. The trickle became the, the downpour. Not just, there it is. <laughs> not, just, not just upon us, but in us. The glory of God not only rests on us, but lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And then when they came out of that place, 
the kingdom broke out. I believe, some of y'all can check me on my theology on this. I believe when Jesus said, some of you won't die until you see the kingdom of God come in power. That verse trips us up because we're thinking about future. I think it's this moment. And they literally lived it. They saw the kingdom come in power in their own lives. There's this moment where Peter stands up right after that. I mean, it draws a crowd. Actually, the scripture says the sound drew the crowd. You ever notice that? There was a sound that became an attractional thing. And then they're like, what is happening? How does he know my language? And like there was this thing going on like a babble reversal. So Jesus is so cool. Like he's like, I'm making all things new. I'm turning this thing around again. And, um, and so Peter quotes the prophet Joel and he says, Hey, you know, that thing Joel was talking about, this is it. You've seen it. The one you crucified has made a way for you. And he's ready to pour his spirit out. And 3,000 got saved that day. Were added to the church. Now, in that upper room, what happened, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That was, a, that, was a, that was a day in history. That was a marked moment in history. It was a prophetic moment of, of years and years of, of, of seeing the fulfillment come to pass. And boom, Pentecost. But here's what I want you to see. The same Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit available to us today. When we come into relationship with Jesus and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we receive Jesus, we receive all that he is. And so there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I think this moment in Scripture is Jesus uh, breathes on the disciples. <sighs> and it says they receive the Spirit. But then in up, the upper room, this is, this is after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. This is after the ascension. Jesus goes back to the Father. And here they are. He tells them to wait. He says, I want you to, I want you to make disciples. I want, I, I want you to take back the nations from what the enemy has stolen and God's getting his kids back and I want you to be the guys who go and get my kids back. But first, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. So there's this moment. They believe in Jesus. They have the spirit, but there's this moment where they are endued with power from on high. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And you're going to start here, and then you're going to move here, and then you go. And before you know it, the whole earth is going to hear, not because you're smart and you know the words to say, but just like Paul would say to the Corinthians, it's not clever words. It's not, it's not my oratorial Flower, you know, I'm not just great at what I'm saying. No, what actually made the difference was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that power, that filling, 
that fullness that was promised is now available to you and to me. There's another moment in Acts chapter 4, a couple of chapters later. And they're in a room again, and there's been some persecution, and they're like huddling together like, okay, oh man, that's rough. And I want you to get this. There are people in this room that were in that room in Acts 2. So Acts 2, upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit, out. Acts 4, they're in a room, and listen what happens. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. This is a prayer. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. In the face of prison, torture, persecution, they said, God, give us boldness because you're worth it. And in that room, just like what happened in Acts 2, same people are in the same room in Acts 4, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where our theology is. I don't think it's very biblical when we say there's just this one thing that happens in our life. And if you're Baptist like I was, or is, am, whatever, we say, well, that happens when you get saved. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Spirit, and that's it. But then there's some folks that would say, well, there's, there's something that happens there, and you receive the Spirit. But then, like, there's another thing that happens. And, and depending on where you come, listen, depending on where you come from, you call it a myriad of different things. Okay. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, of the, you know, whatever. And then you got filling of the Holy Spirit. Some people don't want to call it that, so they call it the second blessing. Some people don't want to call it that, so they call it the first, second half of the first blessing. I don't care. All I know is I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And you do too. And so the point is, is what we see in Scripture is we see the same event happening over and over and over again. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see just a one moment in time thing. What I see is, uh, like just in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that's going to ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word in the Greek, filled, means a continual filling, of not just a one-time just get filled. No, it's like be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that one time at youth camp, you think you got all you got, you know, like you did. But how much of you does he have? And that's the point. It's about it's how, how surrendered can I be? 
to him? How is there is there an area of my life where his fullness is not evident? Can I tell you a marker? And this, I'm going to talk about this a little bit last week. Or next, last, I'm going to talk last week. That's going to talk next week about it. But a big marker on our being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you get hung up on this stuff. It's not tongues. It's not prophecy. It's not whatever. Fill in the blank. You know what it is more than anything else? It's love for people. And not just the love for them in your speech, but in actually going to them. If you look in Scripture, yeah, some, some people fill the Spirit, spoke in tongues, Acts 2. Fill the Spirit, Acts 4. Receive boldness, preach the Word of God in boldness. Sometimes it says they were filled with the Spirit and they prophesied. But you know what happens in every single instance? They went. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is all about, is go get my kids back. And you can't do it in your own power. That's why you need to wait and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want us to have an accurate theology around the Holy Spirit. And listen, people have been arguing over this stuff and disagreeing with this stuff for years, but I think we can all agree on the point that God is eager and willing to fill us for his use, for his purposes. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that you receive through the laying on of hands. So Timothy was there and a gift was received when the elders put their hands on him and prayed for him. There was something that mirrored that old Moses to the people, to the elders, that mirrored that Moses to Joshua thing, that mirrored that, that what Jesus came to do. And, and, and now it's happening where, where the elders are laying their hands on Timothy and he receives a gift and Paul is saying to him, stir up that gift. In other words, Timothy, the past and what happened in the past doesn't matter unless you apply it today. And so if regardless of what encounter you've had with God or what experience or what whatever, wherever you are in your walk with Jesus, I believe there's always more. There's always more. I want to do this real quick. Y'all know me. If you've seen this before, you just need to see it again. Because it's just such a good... It's such a good illustration. Feel free to use this because this is not mine. This is somebody else. All right. This is your life. Are you that transparent, friend? Okay. Just, that was bad. That's the preacher coming out. All right. So what happens is when I receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, I messed up. I did it backwards. It's going to mess this up. Okay. So I was supposed to put the milk in first. I'm so excited up here. I'm getting out, of, getting out of hand. All right. So this is your life. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he's in there, right? All of God becomes one with you. Unity in Christ. But there, there is this there is this reality, so I can, I can, how many know somebody who, who has made a profession of faith, and you knew, from what you could tell, it was genuine, but like their life doesn't match it now, 
and maybe some time passed by. I don't know if that's maybe your story of like, I know, I know him, but my life is not experienced in the fullness. And, and you know what, what will help this is seeing other people who are living a spirit filled life. And it makes you like, oh, so that's that. Like, oh, well, I'm not. Yeah, that makes me hungry. And what I'm saying to you is you can have the Holy Spirit, but he might not be filling your life. Yeah, you're filled. But is he filling your life? And Paul told Timothy, stir up that gift that you receive. Stir it up. And what happens is my life becomes evidently marked by what's already in me. And there is a, a flavor to my life that wasn't there before. There is a difference. There is a, a visible difference to my life. There, there's something that has happened that was always there, but now it's, there's a fuller expression of its presence in my life, and that's Holy Spirit. Is that good? I think, I think so. D.L. Moody, one of the most, I guess, famous preachers, walking down the sidewalk in New York, New York, or New York, I don't know if it's New York City or not, but it was New York, he's walking down the sidewalk one day, and he's praying, and just the presence of God comes upon him in a way that is so strong that according to his own testimony, he actually goes into this place off the street and says, can I stay here for a little bit? And they're like, yeah, we got a room. Go ahead. And he goes up there and he stays for hours in this room. And he says, it was like waves of love hitting my life over and over and over again, like waves crashing on a shore. And he said, it was so intense. <laughs> the love of God was so intense that he asked God to stop because he thought he's going to die. And I read that, and I know what Moody did, right? He wasn't crazy. Like, I know some people can talk about Holy Spirit, and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't see any fruit in your life, and you're just a weirdo, you know, like, but, but I see people like D.L. Moody who stood and preached to thousands and so many people came into the kingdom through his ministry. And I'm like, how? How can, how can people stand up and share the gospel? And then Moody stands up and people are like, yes, I'll give my life to Jesus. Like, there's just like this eagerness and there's something, there's a power on that, an anointing on his gift that, that is marked. And we say, why? Was Moody so successful in that as an evangelist? I believe it's because this moment. He'd been preaching for so long. He, he knew Jesus. He had the Holy Spirit. But there was this moment he was crying out to God for more. It's like, God, I'm preaching and I want more people to know you. I want more people to know you. And walking down the street, so overcome by the presence and love of God, he says, I can't, I'm not going to survive unless you Unless you stay your hand. People like Finney, 
same thing happened to him almost word for word in their testimony. He's sitting by the fire and he said he's just seeking the Lord and he just comes upon Finney and Charles Finney, the great revivalist evangelist in the second great awakening. And he says, waves of electricity. Just power. Just the power of God flowing through his life. Why don't we know his name? Why don't we know Charles Finney's name? I believe it's because that moment was God. Even Billy Graham. Billy Graham talked some about the Holy Spirit, but not, not like a lot. He was just, he wanted to preach Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And he stood before stadiums and just as I am would kick up and they'd all come running. You know, you've seen it. But he had a moment in the mountains with God one day. He had an encounter. He had a feeling moment. And I don't know what he called it. But it marked his life. There was a, a man named Jim Reese in Enterprise, Alabama. Where, nearby where my hometown is. In the 1950s, there was a revival that came to that whole area. There were people praying and asking God to to do something. And there were two men that were instrumental in that and they weren't pastors. They weren't ministry leaders. In fact, they were the town drunks. And one of them's name was Jim Reese. And Mr. Reese, people had been praying for him. And he got saved at First Baptist Church in Enterprise, Alabama. And he's on fire for God and he's sharing Jesus and all this and he would go, he got in a habit with going with this other guy to, to a lady's house and her name was Miss Dorsey and Miss Dorsey was, I know people who know these people, okay, like this is a true story, um, but Miss Dorsey was bedridden, older, older lady and they would pray, these two men, the town drunks that came to Jesus would go and pray at Miss Dorsey's house. And Miss Dorsey was a woman full of God. And Miss Dorsey would pray. And one day, they were sitting with Miss Dorsey's on Miss Dorsey's bedside. And Miss Dorsey put her hands on Jim Reese and prayed for him. And he said, "The next thing I know, I'm in the floor." Now, this is a town drunk in a Baptist church. Okay, just give you some context. He says, "I wake up off the floor." And he says, I don't know what God did in my life in that moment, but I knew I was filled with the Spirit. And God greatly used that man in a whole city. There were people in that, in that time, he, he preached in a, in, a, in First Baptist Church in a revival meeting that they had to protract, they had to, what is it, protracted meetings, they had to keep it going because so many people were coming to the Lord. People were listening on the radio and pulling into the parking lot, walking down the aisle to give their life to Jesus. Why? There was something on his life. And it was a hunger that said, Miss Dorsey, will you pray for me? People getting saved on the street, on the sidewalk, downtown Enterprise. 
I remember when I was 14 years old and I gave my heart and life to Jesus. I was baptized. I was, um, I remember, I remember having the thought, I love Jesus. And that's just weird. Like I'd never really loved Jesus. And I remember the first time I had the thought, I love Jesus. Oh, that's weird. And, um, but I remember a time not long after that, I'm in my room and I was, I had a CD on this is going to date me, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. <laughs> you know, that album, Mercy Came Running. Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all need to go listen to that. But, um, but I was listening to that, and I was asking, whoops, sorry, we're having trouble again today. I was listening to that, and, I, and all, I know, all I know to say is God came in the room. God came in my bedroom in such a profound way. And just weeping and worshiping like I've never done that before. I didn't even have the desire to like it was just this moment where God was so real. And it just felt like all of him became inside of me. That's all I know. It's like he just God was in my room and he was in me, filling me and setting me on fire. And you know what the fruit of that was? You know what I did as a shy introverted 14-year-old kid. I started writing my story out on tracks, make my own little cards and give them out. And I would, I had this burning desire to tell people what Jesus could do in their life. So much so that I walked up to a trucking company there next to our church and a big burly guy come out. I asked to speak to the manager. As a 14-year-old kid, like that was shy and didn't even want to order at the table, like in a restaurant. That was me. And I asked to speak to the manager of the trucking company. And you can imagine who came out. Like a bear. A man bear. Hair coming out here, you know. Can I help you, son? You know, and I said, and I shared the gospel with him. I told him about Jesus. And it's like I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I just had to tell people about Jesus. And I wanted, I was praying for my friends to find Jesus. Why did that happen? I believe it was because of that moment where the Holy Spirit filled my life. Can I tell you something though? I could look back at that moment and say, yep, that's it. I got all I need. And I can live with a cold heart toward people. And say, oh, no, no, no. I'm spirit-filled. 14 years old. I give the date. I give the time. I give the date of my baptism when I gave my heart to Jesus. That moment in that bedroom where I feel like God met me there. But that's not the only time that happened in my life. I've had that happen over and over and over again. Because I just want him to have his way in my life. I want to be more surrendered today than I ever have been. And I feel like he hijacked this message today. He hijacked this day for a reason. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how many experiences you have with God. I believe that there's always more. In Luke chapter 11, 13, Jesus said, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? If you just ask him.
if you just ask him. Worship team, y'all come on up. I'm going to ask y'all to come up and lead us in that song again. If you ask the Father for bread, he's not going to give you a rock. That's what Jesus said. If you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. And some of you might be like, you know what? I don't know about all this stuff, Holy Spirit stuff. I'm just telling you, if you ask, he's not going to trick you. If you ask for Holy Spirit, that's what you're going to get. A filling, a freshness, a refreshing, a power, a fullness that you've never known. And you say, well, I've experienced that before. I believe there's more. You can't convince me otherwise. There is always more. So we've asked him, Lord, fill the, the ditches that we're digging. Do you know what? Do you know what a ditch is? It's just a low place. And it's the low places that the water pours into. Humility is the only prerequisite for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And humility looks like, okay, Lord, I'm asking. You said ask. And I don't understand everything. I don't, this isn't my, the way I grew up, whatever. But if you'll just say, Lord, I need, I need all of you. Nothing more, nothing less. I want all you have for me. I prayed that one time. 2015 in Nashville, Tennessee. Lord, I want all you have. Nothing more. I don't want to get weird. I don't want to get crazy. I don't want to go off the deep end, but I don't want less than you want. Lord, I, I want you. Holy Spirit, fill my life. And he touched me. One of the many times he's touched me in a really profound way. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put aside my message that I prepared had I, not, if, had I not believed that today, I just believe he wants to do that in people's lives. As your pastor, as the preacher up here, I want that today. I want him to fill my life fresh and anew today. And if, if you want that, I'm gonna ask you to come up again like we did last week. Just come up to the altar. I'd love to pray for you. I think there's something, you can stay in your seat, but there's something about that, that moment when the Lord encounters us that I want, I want everybody to have the opportunity to receive prayer this morning, okay? It's not anything we have to work up, it's just ask. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.